What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Kelsey Cook. And we have such an incredible guest today. Nadira Habibullah is a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in issues of trauma and attachment. And Healing Her Trauma is a mental health service founded by Nadira, and it offers therapy and coaching services to women, children, and families. And we talk all about PTSD today, post-traumatic stress disorder. We talk about the symptoms and signs of it, how it develops, how to treat it, um, what that looks like in, you know, experiencing trauma as a child versus as an versus an adult. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So, um, and just a little disclaimer, um, we, there are some tough situations uh, that come up on this episode. So if you feel like you need to skip this because it might be a bit triggering, you might need to skip it or listen to it at a different time. Um, mm-hmm. But before we get into the episode, Kelsey, where are you performing? Where can people catch you? Yes, you guys can see me on the Hustler Tour this weekend in Tampa at Side Splitters. And then any Boston helpsters, I am going to be at Laugh Boston May 27th through the 28th. And I'm shooting my special so soon. Um, I'm going to be in Denver at Comedy Works June 16th through the 18th. And the 18th is the day that I'm shooting the special. So there are two shows on that Saturday. Uh, Delaney will be there. Yeah, we just booked our tickets, baby. What's up? We've said it before, but look, Delaney's not, you know, doing comedy anymore. I don't leave the house. (laughs) She doesn't leave the house. And I feel so, uh, so honored that she would leave her home, not just leave her home, but get on a plane uh, (laughs) to come. And so if you guys have met Taylor on tour, maybe met me as well on tour, but you haven't gotten to meet Delaney, this is a chance. You can meet me and Delaney at the same time. We love meeting helpsters. We would love to like hug you, take a picture. Um, Taylor, unfortunately, will be on the road that weekend and won't be able to be there, but uh, she will be there in spirit. And yeah, just would love to see you guys. So it's KelseyCook.com for those tickets. And as always, uh, Taylor's tickets are TTomComedy.com for her tour tickets. Uh, Delaney, what you got going on? Yeah, just a, a bit of a, another announcement. I've said it before, but I think people are slowly finding out. Um, e Fishinato, the podcast, the minimalist business podcast, is now a private podcast. It's still free, but it's only accessible at delaneyfisher.com. You can sign up to receive it straight to your inbox. You can also link it 
um, to your favorite podcast player. So you can still listen to it on, you know, whatever app you prefer, you just have to get it a little bit of a different way. So it's not visible or accessible on any public platforms anymore. Um, so for more information, delaneyfisher.com, if you would like to receive it. And if you're like, why the fuck did you do that? We cover that inside the podcast. <laughs> so uh, there you go. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys, please enjoy this episode all about PTSD. Nadira, thank you so much for being with us today. We It is about time we covered this topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, and before we get into all the millions of questions we have for you, do you have a favorite or least favorite quote that you'd like to share? I do. So I, I was thinking on it, and my, my quote changes, you know, from day to day, week to week, but, um, but right now... And I would love to uh, cite whoever I got this from, but I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but my my favorite quote right now is that um, the biggest obstacle is not the mountain, but it is the story that we tell ourselves about the mountain. Oh, that <laughs> is a freaking quote. That is so good. Wow. I love that, love that one. That is great. We talk so much about mindset and all of that on this show. And it's so true. What is that? What is that one quote? Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. You can't, you're right. Yeah. Reminds mm-hmm. me of that. Oh, man, Literally. that's a great one. Well, you're already yeah. crushing this interview. So <laughs> okay, okay, that feels good. Keep the momentum going. So yeah. would, you, would you mind just giving us an overview of what is PTSD? What does that look like? Yeah, so so PTSD, um, for anyone that doesn't know, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, basically it is the sign of an over-adapted brain. So like if we go through something that is traumatic, and I'm defining trauma as um, something where we feel like we are in danger or, you know, there's fear there, um, the, the trauma of it is going to be that like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to die. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't know if I'm safe. All of that. In that moment, it makes sense for the brain to adapt and be very much aware. So for example, hypervigilance, always be on the lookout and seeing what's going on. That makes sense if we are really in danger. You know, So a lot of people who um, are diagnosed with post-PTSD uh, veterans. Now, if you're off at war, then you want to have those symptoms. That's actually going to be adaptive for you. You want to be on the lookout. You want to be very alert. You don't want to be calm at all. But now, after that is over, you're taken out of the traumatic um, incident scene or whatever it is. Now you're in a different environment, but the brain doesn't know that. The brain is still responding as though you're still in the middle of that war. You're still in that car accident. You still have, you're still being held at gunpoint or whatever it is. And so that's why I'm saying, over-adapted because that's an adaptive behavior in the instance of an emergency, but it's no longer adaptive if we're safe now and the traumatic situation is gone. So that's pretty much what it is. You've gone through something that was traumatic. It was very scary for you. And now the time is over and you're safe now. There's no longer an issue, but the body is still responding as though it is. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a, it's such a deep thing with so many different layers to it. When you are seeing people as a therapist, what is your first kind of go-to tool that you use with them trying to help them navigate PTSD? Yeah. So, so my first, my first tool uh, with, with everybody, and this is regardless of what you're coming, coming to me for is to make what is called a genogram. And so a genogram is like a family tree picture. Um, And a lot of therapists do it, specifically the type, like I'm a marriage and family therapist. So anybody who goes to school, marriage and family therapy, like that's drilled into you. You make this genogram. Um, It's a family tree sort of picture that you draw. And of course I'm drawing, you know, your mom, your dad, your siblings on there, but I'm also drawing information about the relationship. So how close are you to mom? How close are you to dad? Or is there a cutoff anywhere? Like we don't talk to grandpa, any of that sort of thing. Um, I'm drawing that in. And so that just gives me a great background to understand, okay, who's in your family? What have you been through? But more importantly, um, how have you storied what you've been through? And so that really helps because even if we're talking about uh, PTSD, I I have an issue and um, I don't know, I was in a car accident and now I can't get in a car and drive. It's still helpful for me to know the other things that you have been through before, because if you already have a pretty high trauma history, they can make you more likely to have PTSD now. Or what does your support system look like? 
You know, so if I know I already did your genogram and I know you don't talk to your mom, you haven't met your dad, that's going to make it harder dealing with this issue. You know, because with everything, if it's PTSD, if it's anxiety, whatever it is, we all need community, you know. And so I'm always starting there. Uh, What does your early experiences look like? What does your community look like? And how have you um, storied the things that you've been through? Oh, wow. That's so good. That makes so much sense. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So how, I know this is probably not a very simple answer, but how do you start to tell the body and the brain that you're no longer in that dangerous situation? What kind of things do people have to implement to improve that their PTSD? Yeah, yeah. So that can be challenging. Um, it depends on your particular approach. So like for me, um, I'm trained in EM- EMDR, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. Um, And so a lot of people may not know what that is, but um, it's basically a therapeutic technique that helps helps your brain to kind of um, reprocess information that was processed incorrectly. And now it's um, like stored. I'm trying to explain it in a way so it's not complicated, but now it's stored in your brain in a way that it keeps coming up for you. Because the main thing that we look at with um, PTSD and what lets us know somebody is dealing with PTSD is intrusion, meaning the event is over, it's past. Now you're going on, you're trying to live your life, but you can't because symptoms, things from before keep intruding into your current day life. So that can look like um, nightmares. I can't sleep because I keep dreaming about what happened or um, I'm just trying to have breakfast and I keep having visions of the thing that happened. You know, I'm talking to people, I keep having visions or um, so many different things remind you of it. It's constantly just intruding into your life. It's interrupting your regular your regular day. And so through EMDR, it helps the brain. That's what I do. There are other ways. Um, It helps the brain to reprocess that story so that the intrusion won't come up anymore. Mm, Okay. Oh, wow. So it's like getting stored in a different part of your brain after you're reprocessing the memory in a way. Yeah. So, so anytime, anytime we go through something traumatic um, in that moment, our brain is going to start working differently. So when we're like relaxed and calm, you're going to be mostly in this frontal lobe. And that's where you can do like all of your executive thinking and functioning. Like when you're at work, like right now, we're probably all in the frontal lobe, but if something happens, like, Oh, I don't feel safe. Something's going on that frontal lobe that goes offline. And so then if we feel like I'm scared, there's this little part in the middle, the middle of the brain. And of course, I'm simplifying simplifying this, but there's a little part in the middle of the brain is called the amygdala. And that's kind of like the fear center or the trauma center. And so that's the part that comes on, that lets me know, oh, I'm not safe. I, I need to do something to get to safety. And so most people have heard of like fight, flight, or freeze, right? Yeah. Right. Right. So that's what will go into that. I need to fight my way off. I need to be aggressive or I need to run and get out of here or um, kind of like a, you know, possum. I'm so overwhelmed that just just freeze. I don't, I don't know what to do. And so that we're going to do some version of that in the moment until we get to safety. Now, once we get to safety, this event is over. Now, this is what we want to have. And this get help. This is why we need community. We want to be able to say, man, that thing that just happened, that was wild. That was really, really scary, but I'm okay now. It's over. It's in the past. It's not here anymore. And I'm okay. And so if we had, and usually when you have other people that are there to talk to you and help you and say, oh no, that wasn't your fault or whatever it is, it can help you get to that point. If we do that, we can go through the craziest thing 
But as long as you can get to the point of it's over, I'm okay, it's in the past, I'm here, it's there, you're going to be fine. You're not going to have PTSD. But when we get to PTSD, that means that it wasn't, it wasn't processed in that way. So we never got to the point of it's over, it's fine. It got stuck somewhere. And usually when it gets stuck, it's because we develop some type of negative belief about ourselves. Okay, so if I am going through, um, like, let's say, again, a, a car crash or something, I was in a car accident, and so now I'm really, really scared, and I can't drive again, instead of processing that in a way where I got to be able to say, like, man, that was crazy, but it's over, I'm safe, maybe I made sense of that in a way that it said, oh, my gosh, I am so alone, and I'm not safe, and I'm going to die. And not in the eventual sense of everybody's going to die, but like, I am going to die. Now, if that's the way I process it, I can't get to, it's over, I'm okay. I'm stuck in, I'm alone, I'm unsafe, I'm going to die. And so if that's the case, then anytime I get back in the car, what's coming up, I'm alone, I'm going to die. Wow. Oh my God. You know, so that's what, that's what PTSD is. It's coming back. It's the intrusion of what was present before, but it's feeling present now. I've never heard somebody explain it this way. This is, wow, yes. this is so good. Kels, any? Yeah, when you see clients who have PTSD from something that happened in their childhood versus something that happened to them as an adult, do you approach that two different ways or do you approach it the same way? Because I would imagine that a traumatic experience in your childhood, it's like you're not, your brain even physically isn't even in a place to know what to do with that experience versus as an adult um, yeah, so that's a rambly question, but <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I mean? no, you're good. So yeah, it's, it's totally different because if, if you have a uh, trauma that's coming up now in adulthood, and let's say your, your childhood was pretty solid, you know, you didn't have any major traumas, you weren't abused, you didn't go through any of those types of things that we would never want for our kids or for anybody else, then it's going to be a lot easier to process this current trauma because if we are able to have like a pretty good, solid childhood that will create kind of like a buffer for us. Yeah. And so then when we get older, you know, everybody goes through different things. You get hurt, you lose your job, you different things, but that buffer will make it easier for you to deal with that. Now, if you have a higher trauma history, oh, I was from foster home to foster home. My parents used to beat me. My parents were under all types of different things. That buffer is lots of times not there. Right. And so it's going to be, much harder to, or not much harder, I'll say, we have to go a lot slower when we're dealing with trauma, when you have this higher, um, this history from childhood again, which is why I start with that family tree. Because I don't want, it's not just about what's happening today. The way you are interpreting and dealing with what's happening today is usually going to be affected by what happened before. So I always have to be able to go back and see. And if, if my clients do have a really high trauma history, then, um, then we have to go really, really slow. We have to, so for example, um, with EMDR, do you guys know anything about EMDR? We've touched I on mean, it on the podcast a little bit, um, but we haven't done, a, a, I think, a full episode on it before. Yeah. Okay, okay. well, that will be a good, a good thing to do, um, yeah. an episode on. But, but basically with EMDR, it's like you use some type of bilateral stimulation to get the brain into processing mode. Because anytime we are processing something, when we're making sense of it, like, all that mean um, if you were to sit under some type of like brain scan it would show that your brain is doing like this like left hemisphere right hemisphere back and forth that's what it does when we're processing so in emdr we want to kick it over into processing and so the way that we do that it's a lot of different ways but the traditional way and this is where the name comes from eye movement desensitization is through back and forth eye movements and so it sounds kind of weird, sounds kind of crazy, but, <laughs> yes, but it's so a real thing. Yeah. Back and forth eye movement. So the person, whatever the trauma is, you're kind of holding it in your head. You're pulling up an image of it. So if it's a car crash, you're pulling up an image of the worst part. Oh gosh, I see that car coming at me. Uh, you pull, hold that in your head. And then the therapist, you're in the same room. The therapist does like this. And you're following those fingers with your eyes. And as you're doing that, the brain is going spark, 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 spark. And so that's how we get the processing. Now, if I'm working with someone who doesn't have a childhood history, um, we can probably get to the actual trauma in the first day. We start with something called resourcing, which is like, let's do this to calm you down, relax you, cool. And then we can go straight to that trauma. Now, if you have a lot of trauma, what they call complex PTSD, meaning yeah. I've been through a lot of different things and it's really challenging. 
I'm probably not going to get to the processing in that first day. I might have to do a couple of weeks. We might have to do months worth of just resourcing with it, just doing things to help calm your body, just to help you feel safe enough, just to help you feel okay. So we got to go much slower if you've been through um, a lot of things versus this is just one particular incident. Okay. Wow. So, and you just touched on complex PTSD. Um, That's also known as CPTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you just go a little deeper on that? Because we've done a few episodes on um, narcissistic personality disorder and coming off of like basically healing from an abusive relationship with somebody with NPD. And that is something that seems to be very reoccurring as like the whole CPT- CPTSD component of that, that it's more complex. Can you explain why that is? Yeah, so um, because come so PTSD is basically like, okay, there was this one event that happened to me, it it was bad. Complex PTSD is more like, there were tons of events that happened to me that were bad. So it might be easier for a person with complex PTSD, it might be easier to count the good moments in my life than the bad moment, because it has just been a lot of really, really challenging things. And so that makes it harder, because everything that and this is why I just I just love the human brain and the body. Everything that our body does is an attempt to preserve us. Even the things that don't feel good, even the things that seem like that's crazy, why would you do that? It's always an attempt to preserve us. So even when you look at personality disorders and you know, you know, narcissistic, that's a big one. At some point, I don't know what whoever has narcissistic personality disorder, but that was some type of defense that they developed earlier in life, you know, being very much self-centered, uh, not not really focusing or noticing other people's feelings. They developed that in defense of something against something earlier in life. Maybe they felt like, OK, no one else really cares about me. So it's just me. If I'm going to make it, if I'm going to survive, it, it's just me. So i got to be like this, you know, so it it, it always, even if it ends up being something that is hurtful, maladaptive. This is the body's attempt to try to protect itself from something. Right. And so that's why it's just the um, the more that you have been through, the, the less nurture that you had, the less opportunities that you've had to feel like, you know, safe and wanted in the world, the more likely it is that you're going to develop maladaptive coping skills so that you can get through life. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And you mentioned that I, I would love to know kind of any patterns you've seen who have, who people who have been susceptible to PTSD. We we've, we've all heard, like, obviously somebody goes to war, they're going to have PTSD usually, but do you notice anything in your own practice where there's some patterns that maybe people would be surprised about of people coming in who are suffering with PTSD? Yeah. So PTSD, um, people are more likely to develop that, if they felt um, like helpless, like there wasn't, there wasn't something I could have done. So for example, I remember I was watching something and they've done all these studies on, uh, you know, 9-11 and the survivors of that and, you know, who, who did and, and didn't have PTSD. And so uh, whoever the lecturer was that I was watching, he was saying, you know, there were a lot of people who, at least the ones who were low enough to be able to like get out of the building and like they tried to run home, they tried to get home or just get away. And the people who tried to do something, even if it, who knows what it was, if it was trying to run home, if it was trying to help, if it was trying to do anything like that, they were less likely to develop PTSD because they felt like, like I did something, like I showed up, like I had some agency, I was able to do something. Or so for example, like in cases of um, rape, you know, a lot of people get PTSD from that. But if someone, they were, maybe they weren't even successful, but even if they tried to fight back or they tried to do something, that person could be less likely to develop PTSD because they could say, oh, well, even though it didn't really work, you know, I tried to hit him, I tried to push him, I tried to do something like that. But that helps to inform the story they tell themselves about what it is that happened. Oh, wow. Interesting. Really interesting. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, We talk on this show also a lot about attachment styles in relationships. And I'm curious, as a marriage and family therapist, how do you see somebody's potential PTSD, um, maybe from their childhood, show up as an attachment style? Do you feel like somebody with PTSD is more likely to have an avoidant attachment style or more of an anxious attachment style? Or does it just kind of depend on the person? Um, yeah, I would say it, it depends on the person, but definitely when you see people with complex PTSD, so, you know, I've had a lot of different things happen to me, um, it's pretty unlikely that they are going to have like a secure attachment just because they didn't, they weren't put in the environment where a secure attachment could happen. Sure. And so usually it's in, it's going to be that more anxious side or that more um, dismissive avoidance side. So, but with, with just PTSD on its own, I don't really see much of a connection, but with complex PTSD, for sure, you're usually going to, any person who has that um, is likely going to be either avoidant or dismissive. I feel like just in, anecdotally in, in my practice, I see a lot more, um, I said avoidant or dismissive, I meant anxious or dismissive. Right. I see a lot more people with anxious attachment. Okay. than I do with uh, avoiding people kind of overextending themselves rather than removing themselves in terms yeah of yeah because yeah. and I think I think that makes sense because usually an anxious attachment is going to come more from um, having caregivers or being in an environment where um, like you you were cared for you had the basic things but it wasn't consistent like I don't know for sure uh, when my caregiver comes in, it's usually going to be a mom. When my mom comes in, I don't know what mom I'm going to get. Maybe I'm going to get the fun loving mom who gives me hugs and does does all that stuff. Maybe I'm going to get the depressed mom who ignores me all the time. Maybe I'm going to get the real, really irritable mom who will smack me off of the tiniest little thing. But she's not always, I don't know. And so now I have this anxiety because I, I want you to love me. I'm reaching out. Please see, please see me. Please pay attention to me. But then I'm also scared that you're not going to do it. Because sometimes you do it, but sometimes you don't. And yeah. so that's where that anxiety comes from. I, I want you to be with me, but I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared you're going to leave me. You're not going to be there. But please, do, I want you to do it. And maybe if I do something, if I act a certain way, if I try to be who you want me to be, if I do all, if I try to be really cute and if I try to be really smart and if I try to be whatever I think you're going to be, then you will be consistent because that's what they're wanting. Be consistent with me. And so that's where that, you know, that clinginess comes from. Whereas this dismissive, that's going to be more of, um, maybe again, your basic needs were met, but that emotional attachment, it just wasn't there. And so you got to the point of, you know what? I might as well give up. Nobody's going to be there for me. Nobody's going to care. You know, I could cry. I could get upset. I could tell you how I feel. You're not going to care. You're not going to do anything. So I'm just not, I'm just, it's just me against the world. It's me and myself. So I'm not even going to try that much. I'm not going to connect to you that much. Why? Because I don't believe that you really care, that you're really going to show up for me. So I'm just going to be standoffish. I'm just going to dismiss all of it because I've already learned in life that I can't really trust anybody. Nobody's going to show up for me. Right. Yep. And that all checks out. Yeah. Yeah. And how how quickly does PTSD develop? Is it like an instant thing? Does it develop over months or years? Can somebody be like fine for a year and then all of a sudden they're experiencing symptoms? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So it can, they um, call that delayed onset, but usually for like, if you're going, you know, by the official diagnostic criteria, it needs to be at least a month since since the particular event because you know a lot of people they can go through things they can be really challenging but again if you have enough support if you have people around and it could be family it could be um, teachers therapists whoever it is to help you make sense of that in an adaptive way you won't get PTSD you can be fine but it's that when you don't have that when a length of time has passed and like I said, it has to be at least a month and you're still having the nightmares. You still have the, you know, the startle response. You get scared really easy. You're still avoiding not going to certain places. Then we're getting into PTSD territory. Mm, yeah. 
Okay. Is there, I know we talked a little bit earlier about tools that you give your clients. <clears throat> With EMDR, I know if somebody's just out in the world, they aren't going to have access to EMDR maybe in the moment that they're suddenly being triggered by something that they weren't expecting to be triggered by. Is there something that you recommend people do if they are out in the real world, something happens? Is there like a quick go-to that you like to tell people that can kind of help them get back in the right part of their brain rather than the flight, uh, fight or freeze? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so anytime, like when, when we're feeling like really scared or really startled or something, we need to be able to calm the body. My first go-to is usually going to be the breath. Let's, mm-hmm. let's focus on the breath because what we want our brain to be able to do is to be able to realize, hey, false alarm, I'm actually safe. You know, I know it feels like I'm unsafe. It feels like there's something going on, but that's not the case. I'm okay. And so when we are, when our body is activated in that way, then our nervous system is going to turn up because it's going to, again, fight, fight, or freeze. It's going to go into, um, it's going to go into the state that it thinks it needs to be in, in order to protect ourselves. And so a lot of times that's going to include like, you know, the increase, the shallow breathing or the increased heart rate. So when we are intentional about our breathing, let me slow my breathing down. You know, the focus on people talk about um, belly breathing, like, you know, not breathing in the chest, getting down in the stomach, uh, breathing slow. Let me breathe in very slowly, slow it down, take six seconds. Let me breathe back out. Let me take eight seconds because when you when you breathe out, uh, you want to take longer than you do when you're breathing in. Again, that helps to calm the nervous system to let it know, hey, false alarm. I know it feels like it, but we're actually safe. We're okay. We're fine. So, so that's always going to be a go-to. Um, I always teach my my clients slow breathing. There's a um, a video on YouTube. It's actually by that um, the calm out. You guys have heard of that? <laughs> we yeah. just actually, this is so funny. I We just got them as a sponsor yeah. and I was just okay. trying out the app for the first time yesterday. And one of the things they said was um, breathing in to follow your breath all the way in. And then on your exhale, follow it all the way out. Like really notice with your mind that full in and out. And that did really help me. So anyway, sorry, what were you going to say about it? But yeah, so that, um, cause there are a bunch of different videos, but I, I like theirs. And so that's something that I will send to clients a lot of times. And I tell them, don't wait until something happens. Like you want to start doing this now while you're calm, while you're good. Like, let's just make it a normal part of your day. You can do it in the morning, in the evening, at lunch or whatever. Um, And it just has a little, it's like a blue orb and it like expands as you're breathing in and then it contracts as you're you're breathing out. So I'll send that to a lot of people. So if you get more practice doing it before you're in the moment and you need it, then it's going to be easier to do it in the moment. So that's something that I tell people to do. Um, Something else is also like, for example, um, things that appeal to your senses. So things that, you know, that we can see, that we can smell, that we can taste, those can be have calming effects on our body. So for example, a lot of us have really strong um, sense of, um, of smell. So if there is something, if there is a scent that you really like, that is very appealing to you, that's very calming for you. So for example, for me, it's roses. I love anything rose scented. Like it just puts me all the way in a happy place. And so mm-hmm. if it's roses or for some people, it might be peppermint, it might be lavender or whatever it is. But um, if it's a type of scent that you can actually have, like encapsulate, you can carry that with you little, you know, vial or a little bottle of um, essential oil or something like that. When you feel yourself getting activated, you can send, you can sniff that, you know, to help calm you back down. Um, also with people we do um, in, in EMDR, but also outside of it, we can do a lot of visualization. So we can come up, uh, what is the calm place for you? So what is a place? It could be real or imagined. Um, if it's real, a place that you've been to that felt just absolutely good and relaxing for you, you have no type of sad memory attached to it. Um, you know, there, there's nothing angry or, or sad that could come up when you think of this particular place. So some people, they might say, oh, my grandmother's house, but my grandmother died. Okay, then we can't use grandmother's house because now her death is attached to that. Well, it could be, oh, when I was in first grade, I had a, a neighbor who was so cool and I'll go over there and play with their toys. Okay, so then maybe the neighbor's house. So then I'll ask them, so when you think of your neighbor's house, what kind of imagery comes up? 
oh, they have this big red slide. I used to love that slide. It was so fun. And then their rooms over to the left. And then, okay, so I have them bring that up. And I say, okay, so now let's imagine that. Let's imagine you there. You were there on the, and when you feel it in your body and then something that you can do. I talked before about the bilateral stimulation that we do at EMDR, but there are tons of ways to do bilateral stimulation and you don't got to have a therapist there with you. Uh, when you are doing resourcing. So you can pull up the imagery. Oh, okay, I see it. I see the red slide. It's there. It's fun. And then you can just tap your body. Because when you tap, it's causing that same left, right, left, right stimulation in the brain. And so we want to be able to do that. We want to keep it slow because faster is processing. That's, you know, that's something else. But when we're calming ourselves, we want to keep it slow. You can tap like this across your arm. My hair is in the way. I'm, I'm like here or on your, um, on your lap. Or you can walk. Walking is still bilateral, left, right, left, right. So now you don't want to walk while you're doing this visualization because then uh, you (laughs) might fall or something like that. But just literally just going on. You know, lots of people instinctively, if they're upset, I just got to go on a walk. You know, that calms the body. It's the bilateral part, the back and forth. Uh, But we can do that too. Bring up, let me go to my, I know I'm feeling triggered. I'm feeling activated. What is my calm place? Okay, got my calm place. When you feel it in your body, let's tap it in. You can do that, and anybody can do that. Oh, those are such good tips. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm like slowly taking notes over here because I just feel uh-huh. like those are all just such good grounding kind of tips for anxiety. And maybe if it's not even related to PTSD, PTSD, but I feel like that would help a lot of people mm-hmm. um, when they feel that coming up. Are you? Can somebody? Can somebody have PTSD even if they were not? If they're like physical life or if their life wasn't in danger like for example maybe they got they received a phone call about a loved one who was in a car accident so they were not the one in the car accident but now they're on edge thinking that somebody they love might be dying like is Mm -hmm. that considered ptsd as well or is it only considered ptsd if you're if you were physically in danger yeah it can be you know they have um what they call like um like secondary trauma or or vicarious trauma. So even though I wasn't immediately there and going through whatever it was, but because of my proximity to it, because I know that uh, that this was with my mom or or even hearing about it a lot, you know? So sometimes therapists, they they work with a lot of different trauma, a lot of different things. Um, It's things that you got to do to take care of yourself because that that trauma can, can settle into you. So most people with PTSD are going to be people who have experienced a specific thing themselves, but you can still be affected by it when someone close to you has experienced it. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm. I love the advice too of starting to do those exercises <clears throat> through the Calm app before you're actually in a situation where you can yeah. be triggered. We talk a lot on the podcast about doing things that your future self will thank you for. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. hard to get in that habit, but you're so right because anytime I've felt triggered in that way and I can feel my heart rate going up and my breath getting more shallow, it is so much harder to come down from that in the moment than I think if I was more consistent on a day-to-day basis that like just waking up and doing something that would help if something were to trigger it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, what if somebody's tuning in right now and they believe that one of their loved ones is suffering from PTSD, but they're not sure how to approach them about it? Maybe that person is not trusting of, of people and they don't want to seek a professional or something like what is the best way to kind of get them the support that they need? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it would depend on even if they are not trusting of other people in general, um, I would say to that person, are they trusting of you? You know, do you you have that relationship? Because if you have that relationship with them, then you have an advantage. Like you have a certain end that other people wouldn't have. And so in general, maybe they don't like other people or maybe they they don't like therapy or they feel like, you know, I don't want to deal with that stuff. It's fake. It's silly for you to just be able to say and and it doesn't always have to be um, saying like, hey, I think you should get a therapist. But starting off and saying just like, how are you doing? Like, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about you. Like, what, what is your life like right now? What are you experiencing? I'm asking because I'm noticing 
I'm noticing that you're sleeping a lot more, that a lot less, or I'm noticing that you get really, really irritable and that it used to be your thing. I'm noticing that um, you used to always come with me to the parties and now you don't. I'm noticing a change in you and I'm concerned. And so you you don't want to lead with, oh, go talk to the specialist or anything. You just really want to try to get them to open up with you about their experience. Because if they say, well, yeah, it has been rough or now, yeah, don't go to the parties anymore because that's really scary for me. Or if you can get them to do that, then they will be more likely if you said, oh, OK, well, that sounds really tough. Well, if you if you need some help, I can recommend, you know, I know some people who can help with that. I know a different therapist or even I was reading an article the other day. You want me to send that to you? That might be helpful. Like, you know, you just want to ease it in, you know, because they may not they may not take the bait immediately, but you want to at least be able to put it there. And so, you know, you don't want to just say like, hey, I can see you're going through this. You need to go to therapy. You're probably going to shut that down. But like, hey, how are you doing? You know, I'm noticing some difference about some differences in your behavior. Um, I'm concerned about you. You know, what is it like? And then if you can gauge from there, are they open to any type of resource? Again, even if it's just an article, even if it's just a, hey, I got this YouTube video. You know, it helps me to call my breathing. I can send it to you. Maybe try that but just something small to get them to be open to it. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you feel is important for people to know about PTSD? Important to know. Um, Well, I would just say, know that, and this is for anyone who maybe is currently dealing with it in their lives, that that doesn't have to be your reality. Like it is possible to get over it. Because I think some people just get to the point of like, this is just it. And I'm just have to, deal with it. And I'm just going to keep having these nightmares. I'm just going to have to, you know, I'm not going to get much sleep and I'm not going to be able to go to these types of places. That doesn't have to be it. There are people and there are resources that can help you get over that so that you can get back to leading a life that feels good for you. And so um, that's that's the main thing that I want to be able to share. And just in general, like if even if it's not PTSD, if there is something that you are struggling with and that is difficult for you, Lots of times, I always tell this to all my clients, we go through things that are hard and traumatic. Lots of times those traumas happen in isolation. So either physical isolation, I was alone, or just emotional isolation, I feel alone. I feel unseen. And so healing happens in community. Healing happens when we are able to connect with other people and not put the expectation that I just got to get through it and I just got to pull myself by my bootstraps and it's just got to be me that no, that's that's more of the same. It's already just been you. You've already been sitting with it on your own. So reach out to your community, to the people that you love and that you trust. And don't allow yourself to think that you have to sit in discomfort alone. You do not. Thank you. Those are such nice words. Yeah. Thank you so much. Seriously. Thank you so much for giving us your <laughs> yeah. time today. This was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're welcome. Yeah. And where can people find you and your work and all of that good stuff? Yeah, so you guys can find me. So um, I am on Instagram, Healing Her Trauma, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, and then just Her and Trauma. And then my website is the same, HealingHerTrauma.com. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you you so so much. much. Have a good rest of the day. (laughs) Okay. You too. Thanks, Adira. Bye. Wow, I feel like I learned so, so much from her. And just what a comforting way for her to end what is you know a heavy topic to talk about by saying this doesn't have to carry out through the rest of your life like you can heal from this because i think it's easy for ptsd to become kind of part of your your story or your identity where the more you talk about it i mean you have to talk about it to process it But it can be easy to then hold on to it as like, oh, but this is part of who I am. And I think it's a nice reminder to hear like you can heal from it and and move on from it. Yeah. Such a jam-packed episode. I just love the way that she explained things. Like I feel like it sunk in a lot differently than when I've read or listened to things about PTSD in the past of just kind of explaining like where it's hanging out in your brain and why it's really important to kind of bring it to the forefront process it in a different way and kind of like store it in a, in a different area. I thought that was so good. And those practical like grounding tips. Oh my God, I'm going to be using that shit just for anxiety spirals and all of that kind of stuff. So, so many like great practical applications in this episode, which, you know, I'm always a fan of hat tips. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Such a dense 
it's such a dense topic, I think, from a professional's perspective to explain it in like almost layman terms to yeah. people who are not in the field. And I really did feel like she held our hands and walked us yes. through almost like a Blue's Clues episode. It was like <laughs> a lot of like easy to visualize. This is what's happening in your mind. These are things you can do to help when you're on your own. I just, yeah, yeah that was explained really, so well. <laughs> yeah, she really simplified it. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, and we also have an iTunes review of the episode. This is from Vic Ben 12 and it says, new listener, hi ladies. I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate your take on the topics you present on your podcast. I'm a social worker and my humor can be pretty dark at times. <laughs> so the array of topics you discuss, including sarcasm, is lighthearted and educational. Thanks so much for your content and continuing to do a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's so nice to hear. And if you guys, if you haven't left an iTunes review yet, we would love for you to. It helps the show stay on the iTunes charts and then you can get uh, your review read on the podcast. Yeah. And Del, do you have any segments? Do you have a good shit? Is there anything crazy happening in your life? I have a good shit. I had um, a family bridal shower this past weekend and we all went to the gentle barn in Santa Clarita, one of my happy places. Um, it was really nice. It was just such a relaxed, relaxing day. We had a little picnic. We held and pet a bunch of animals. Um, I just freaking love that place so much. And I know <laughs> this was another segment on another episode, Kels. Yeah. Remember when I told you that one of Cam's wedding gifts to me is he, um, he, we sponsor a chicken at the gentle barn <laughs> named yes. Rebecca. So <laughs> that was like the episode that I think I announced I stopped being vegan. <laughs> Yes. And you start eating chicken or something. Yeah. So, when I started eating chicken and you adopted a chicken. Yeah. Yes. So I was able to visit my daughter, Rebecca. Um, and oh my God. Pictures with her. It was a great family, family outing. Um, and then my family met her. So it's like, Hey, you finally met, you know, your niece and your granddaughter and all this stuff. So that was really, that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So that was my rival shower. Um, but yeah, that, that was it. What do you got? <laughs> oh, I thought of you because, okay, well, first of all, my good shit. This episode is coming out a month after, it's like almost exactly a month. Right now, the day yeah. we're recording this is April 12th. So my birthday was a couple days ago. Um, Delaney and I just had our birthday week. I My birthday is five days after Delaney's. And I just had one of the most magical weeks of my life in Las Vegas for my birthday. I got to headline the Laugh Factory and they they just really spoil the comics that come through there to headline. And I, you know, Vegas is just such a special place anyway because of the amount of promotion that's going on there. It's there's so many like live shows. But I um I had my first billboards. I like was on the top of like my photo was on the top of cabs and there was like a giant truck with my face on it. <laughs> there were billboards everywhere. I could not believe how many there were. Um, my friend Chelsea picked me up from the airport and we were driving on our way to a meal and we thought that we had like seen all of them. And then we're just driving and talking and all of a sudden she's like, ah, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> we look up and there's like this whole other giant one just like chilling above a Denny's on the Vegas strip. We were like, this is so crazy. So that was that was truly magical. It was also at the same time as um, the big Hall of Fame foosball tournament. So I got to play foosball during the day, do my shows at night. And then my birthday was on Sunday of that weekend. And I had some friends fly out and drive out for it to be there with me. Um, I mean, it was just it's like, how do you even come down from a week like that? Like nothing can so many top highs. it. So it many highs. So many different highs. Yeah. And uh, we did top golf on my birthday. If you guys have never done top golf before, it's basically like a giant driving range. That's almost like mixed with a little bit of like a, a nightclub. I don't know. Like it's, yeah. it's like a bar vibe, but with golf. Um, and <laughs> I thought of you because my group and I ordered like the taco platter to share. And it was just this like massive taco platter, of, like chicken tacos and beef tacos and pork tacos. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Delaney would not be happy with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Guacamole and chips. I'd be fine. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They did have guacamole and chips. Veggie tacos. They got them. Rice. Oh, yes. Guac, tomato, lettuce. You throw it on there. I'll eat it. Yes. I was so hungover. I like that taco platter just fixed everything that was wrong in my body the day after. 
uh, a lot of tequila, but you know. Nice. Oh, what a it's fucking great birthday. birthday, dude. I forgot to mention my birthday. Did I mention my birthday on last recording? I don't even remember. I don't even remember either. It's hard when we record so far in advance because it's like I can't keep track of what we've yeah. talked about is like a good shit or not. But yes. yeah, uh, there were some very sweet helpsters that came out to the shows in Vegas. And yeah, it, it just it was one of those weeks where I'm like, I am so lucky. What Aww. a special life to have to get to do things like this. So um, it was That's really great. Awesome, dude. Oh, I'm so glad. What a fabulous birthday. Oh, I wanted to give a shout out. Nick or Nick um, Cam took me to a great restaurant called Nick's on Beverly in LA for my birthday. Oh, and nice. Yeah. Shit, dude, it was so fucking good. So if I, I can't remember time on my birthday, but if I didn't shout out to that restaurant for just crushing it it was so nick's on beverly and it's a nick's on beverly vegan we had a truffle burger we had like avocado crispy rice we had like uh pork in quotation marks uh Mm -hmm. lettuce wraps we had i had fish and vegan fish and chips so fucking good Um, what else i'm missing things there was more we had barbecue chicken pizza we had a banana split we had a drinker 17 i don't remember it was great (laughs) and uh yeah so that was uh, yeah what restaurant for my birthday um had some beautiful flowers delivered from friends and family it was very nice and and hung out with the boys and we had um uh one of a couple of our friends um uh, babysat for us, babysat Maverick and Goose so we could go out for the night. I was like, wow, we're really like, what a different vibe. Mom and dad out on the town. Look out, eating their vegan food. We're going out for three hours. Oh my God. Get the sitter. Call the sitters. Make sure the fridge is stocked. Oh, um, yeah, shit. it was good. It was a good time. Nice. Yes. Well, um, yeah, be sure to head to KelseyCook.com, get those tour date tickets, come see my special. So excited yes. to I'm so to excited. Oh, and what a great freaking area. I mean, Denver, what a great fucking city. Oh, it's, to have it's, it in. Like, we're just so excited to be there. I can't believe how many yeah. messages I'm getting of people saying that they're flying out for it. Oh, like, wow, that's, that's so nice. So nice. It's a great destination. But it is, yeah, truly. Yeah. Like, if you are, I don't know, looking to make like a summer vacation plan and you want to see a comedy show, Denver is a really fun destination. So many great yes. restaurants, so many fun things to do. There's a top golf in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we hope that this episode was helpful. Helpful. Well, can't you know my brain? The tequila is still in there. We hope it was helpful for you guys. And if PTSD is something that you want us to talk more about on the show, feel free to write into us, selfhelplesspodcast at gmail.com or send us a message at selfhelplesspodcast on Instagram. If you don't follow us on Instagram, we would love that as well. We post video clips from the show every week and it's a good time. We should have Nadira back to talk about EDMR. EDMR. We should have her talk about that specifically because that's super fascinating, that process. Taylor touched on it a while back but maybe it was just a whole episode we did on therapy or types of therapy because she was doing EMDR, but yeah. I don't think we did a specific episode on it. Yeah. So, yeah. That would be great. Cool. That would be really cool. And yeah. Um, if you've been listening to efficient out of the podcast, um, and you're like, why am I not getting it anymore? Go to delaneyfisher.com and sign up to receive it straight to your inbox. It's still happening. It's just yes. not available in the same way, um, or format anymore. So yeah. All right, everybody. We love you. Thank you so much. Chat with you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Thank you.